0: Welcome to the Century Church Podcast with Dr. Patrick M. Quinn. You can find out more information about Century Church at www.century.church or download our app at the Apple or Google Play Store. Hey, everyone. Good morning and happy Mother's Day to each and every one of the moms that are out there today. You know, I am so excited for this Mother's Day because uh, I have... uh, I have the opportunity, actually, for my mom and my mother-in-law to be joining us today for uh, Mother's Day lunch, and I just wasn't sure if that was even going to be able to happen because, you know, of all of the situations that have been going on around the coronavirus, but we're so excited that we can host a little lunch at our house, so we have... Uh, moms traveling in. I'm just curious, you know, maybe make a comment out there. How many of you are traveling right now? Are you traveling right now either as a mom going to see your kids or are you traveling to go see your mom? Uh, Tell us what you're doing today. I would love to know how you're celebrating Mother's Day. Are you just hanging out at home, going to call your mom? What does that look like today? Are you, are you traveling right now in the car and maybe watching this worship service? But today is a beautiful day to celebrate moms. Hey, and if your mom is still alive, no matter what the situations are, because there's lots of different situations that surround our moms, but call your mama today. Call your mama. There are those that wish they could call their mom today, and we're praying for you, but call your mom today. Hey, also as we jump into this message today, I want to share with you a quick update as to where we're headed as a church family. The governor has come out with some uh, reopening procedures for churches and for businesses and things, but here's where we stand right now. We're going to closely monitor the situation over the course of this month. And we are beginning to make preparations for reopening our church. But we do not have an exact date yet because we want to make sure that we are crystal clear in the way that we will handle it, the way our procedures will go, the way we'll roll out things for kids ministry, for youth ministry. You all know how important that is and how large of a ministry that is. And what we will do in our worship services, everything from the parking lot to the sanctuary, and back out. So we want to make sure that we have all of our uh, you know, priorities clear and the procedures in place and volunteer teams ready. So just stay updated with us. We will be making announcements as this month uh, continues. But where we are right now is we're just going to continue to monitor the progress and begin to make our preparations for reopening Century Church. I miss you all. And I cannot wait until this room is full again, and it will be very, very soon, I assure you. So, today we're jumping into the final message of Mastermind. I have loved this series as we've had a chance to think about how our mind actually creates the way in which we live our lives. And so this is such an important series, and if you've missed any of these messages, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to them. But today, we're going to finish up with talking about peace, talking about the peace of God. And I want to remind you every week on our Century Church app, you can simply go and download uh, the message notes, the outline, and you'll be able to follow along with me. But today we're going to talk about the peace of God. Hey, let me ask you a question as we begin. What are you worried about these days? What are you worried about these days? Uh, it was probably about eight years ago that um, my daughter, Kaylee, my oldest daughter, she's 22 now, we were down at Disney World. And it was such a really wild thing that, um, that happened because she was down there and staying in one of the rooms. We had, we had a couple different bedrooms. She was staying in one bedroom. And about, uh, I don't know, it was probably midnight, 1 a.m. in the morning, I get this text from my daughter who's sleeping in the room next to us. Dad, are you there? Dad, come help me. Dad, there's a man in my room. What? And so I jump up out of the bed when I finally come to. I wake up and I see my phone like buzzing and the light going off in the dark room. I finally come to and I look at this and it's a panicked text from her. And so I run into the room thinking that maybe there actually is a man in her room. And I say, Kaylee. And she's like, yeah, dad. And I'm like, I don't see anyone. And I flip on the lights. And we had bought for one of my other children a huge balloon of Mickey Mouse. We had left that balloon in the room. And when Kaylee woke up in the middle of the night, she had mistaken this balloon for a man that was standing in her room. And she thought if she moved, that this man would attack her so she runs out of the room and she would not go back into that room for the rest of the night well we now affectionately call this story balloon man and here's the point today today if we just mention balloon man fear you can see her blood pressure start to rise you can see the memories of the past hit her hard balloon man And if she's even watching right now, like, I'm sorry, Kaylee, but Balloon Man is very real to her. You know, it's interesting. Balloon Man wasn't even real. There was no man in the room. There was nothing that was going to attack her that night. But her brain and her thought process and the way that she woke up that night, from now on, if you just put a large balloon around her, right, like, it reminds her of that fear that she had. What are some of the fears that you have in your life? What are some of the things that you're holding on to that maybe happened long ago in your childhood? What are some of the things you're worried about these days? And how has your brain, how has your mind created these scenarios in your life that you respond in fear, in desperation, in even uh, you know ways that will stress you out and frustrate you based upon some situations that maybe happened long ago in your life. So we're going to look at some of that today when we, t- when we talk about this letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. Now, I want to remind you that Paul wrote this letter while he was in prison. I want to remind you that he mastered his mind Because he was not living in fear, even though death was literally on his doorstep. Even though every day was a torturous day in prison. And yet he writes this this letter filled with absolute joy to the church at Philippi. You can imagine that Paul had much to be worried about. And yet he pens these final words to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 4. And these are the words... Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God, God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Hey, every week we've lived with this theme verse in this Mastermind series, your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Pastor Craig Groeschel, who... who did this series at Life Church several years ago. He talks about this over and over and over again, and it has been a drumbeat of ours. Your life will always move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. As I through the past several years, and why this series has meant so much to me is I've done a lot of of uh, reading and listening to podcasts and all sorts of things on the brain. I'm always fascinated. By the brain and the development of the brain and and neuroscience and and all that but why is it that our minds here's a question for us today why is it that our minds often compound our lives with fear what are you worried about these days with the coronavirus and all sorts of other things what are you worried about these days why is it that our minds often complicate our lives right with fear there's an almond-shaped part of our brain called the uh, amygdala. And this part of our brain is responsible for our survival. The amygdala is, is a piece of our brain that is wired to recognize danger and get you out of it. It produces the adrenaline, the rush, the, the thing that, that helps you like, no, it's time to fight or flight, right? Like it's time to get out of here. Whenever you see something, if you if you see something, a dangerous situation while you're driving or, or while you're in a crowded place or or some situation around your house, the, the amygdala is that almond-shaped pa- piece of your brain that is all about survive, survive, survive. And it, it imprints things in your brain like balloon man. So whenever balloon man is brought up, whenever there's a big balloon brought into a room, right? That part of the amygdala, part of Kaylee's brain is like, ah, be careful, danger, danger. And she's got to like rewire her brain like, no, that's just a balloon. Well, there's a second part of your brain. There's another piece of your brain called the prefrontal cortex, Okay, giving you a little neuroscience today. There's another part of your brain called the prefrontal cortex, and that's the part of your brain that's logic. Now, this part of your brain takes some years to develop all of that logic. And so for those of us that are when we're in our teenage years, you know, we might not make the most logical decisions, but as time goes on, that's the part of our brain that ultimately helps us uh, really Make good choices most of the time, right? But here's the interesting thing the choices come off of programmed um, results according to the programming of our brain, okay? In other words, the experiences. The things we've put into our brain, the education, all of those things go into our logic, into our ability to make decisions. And it's the prefrontal cortex that allows Kaylee to say, wait, that's just a balloon. Because your amygdala is going, balloon man, run! But the prefrontal cortex stops her from running. Now, maybe she's already taken 10 or 15 steps and goes, wait, wait. That's just a balloon. Don't run. You're okay. Well, this happens in so many other parts of our life. You see, the amygdala is not objective. It is only there. It's one role is there to protect you and keep you alive. But the prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain that starts to make sense of your surroundings. Now, it's important because what we put into our brain, What we put into our mind ultimately starts to dictate the way in which we live our life. And so, the experiences that we have that our amygdala draws on and the prefrontal cortex, the logical conclusions we make about the world around us matter. And so, when you listen to Paul's writings, listen to what he writes again in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. This is what we got to put into our prefrontal cortex. This is, these are the words like meditative in the morning. I do this 828 prayer where we're reminded of Romans 828 that God is working good. And, and this is another one of those mantras, right? You got to have these mantras in your life that you can master your mind so you can master your life. And in Philippians 4, he writes, do not be anxious about anything. That's a mantra to live by. Like, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, by prayer and petition, praying to God, petitioning God, asking God, with thanksgiving, do what? Present your request to God. Don't be anxious. Present your request to God. Don't run. Don't throw your hands up in despair. Present your request to God. And then what will happen? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Your amygdala doesn't understand. Your amygdala is like, run. Now, there are times when your amygdala needs to help you, protect you, save your life. Help you get out of a bad situation. But a lot of the fear and the worry that we're living with. Is because we're not using our prefrontal cortex. To fill it full of the good things of God. And not believe in balloon man. Right? So when we bring these things to God. The peace of God which transcends all understanding. Will do what for you? Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus do not be anxious about anything you know for many of you you know that my wife and i have been foster care parents going on 9 years now we've had 38 children come through our house we've adopted two beautiful little girls right now we have another little girl and her baby brother and um and one of the things that we've realized through the years uh, and And it's one thing to have an educational understanding of it, you know a knowledge of it it's, a, it's it's quite another to have an experience to really see how it's lived out and one of those things is attachment and there's such a thing as um, as uh, attachment disorders right and so on this mother's day i i want I want us to think about this on this mother's day because when you have a little baby, that secure attachment bond teaches your baby to trust you, right? And the, and the mamas who do this so well for us, that, that really teach us to trust them first, they're, that's the first person oftentimes that we learn to trust is our mama, right? And, and, and they're able to communicate their feelings to their mama. They cry, they, they scream, they, they, uh, they laugh, they giggle, they They, uh, you know, they they have weird faces that where they're like, I need something. And, And there's this communication exchange that goes on, their feelings. And then they eventually, because of that bond that they recreate with their mama, they learn to also not only trust their mom, but they learn to trust others as well. And so as moms connect with their baby and the baby connects with the mom, right? They learn how to have a healthy sense of self. They learn about loving, about having empathetic relationships. So this this secure attachment develops our brain at such an early age. And we know this through good neuroscience now. And, And it's responsible primarily for our social and emotional development. And so this relationship between mother and child becomes the very foundation of all other relationships. The amount of importance that is placed on those first 12 to 18 months cannot be underscored any longer. We know too much about it. How important it is because it really begins to produce the qualities in us that, that oftentimes we may take for granted in our adult relationships. So here, to all the moms who get up at night and have ever held a baby, to all the moms... And the, and the mother figures, right? Who, who have cooed and giggled and, and done that little baby talk. To all the moms who have allowed that child to cry it out with them right there, holding them tight. To so all the moms that create that connection. Right? If you have nothing else to thank your mama for today. If you look at the way that you've been able to love other people and you don't know where that came from, the way you've been able to have relationships with other people and you don't know where that exactly came from, mama might have done something really right. Right? Mama held you and loved you and taught you how to bond and how to trust and how to live close to other people long before you ever even understood it, long before you ever even had your first friend Girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, children of your own. You see, that part of the brain that learns to trust, that's where we, it's first learned in infancy. And so, that what's interesting, though, about this, and I hope I don't go down a road too boring for you today, but we used to think that in neuroscience that the brain was fully like, developed in those in those, path, those pathways are fully developed by adolescence. And that once you had passed adolescence, that your path was kind of generally framed up for you. But here's the good news. The good news is, while mama hopefully did a really good job, we have now learned that you can actually retrain your brain. That you can create new pathways, And we talked about that a few messages ago. And that's what's so important today if we want to really experience the peace of God in our lives, is that there are, there are ways in which we now understand through good science that we can create new neural pathways. One of the more, more recent developments in our day and time is something called neuroplasticity. And that, that tells us that we can actually create, our brains can change. Beyond adolescence, we can create new neuropathways, neuroplasticity. So now, what's interesting is that theologians and medical doctors, ne- neurologists, you know, neuroscientists, they're starting to look at this even in theology. There's something called neurotheology, right? Or, or the way in which we begin to see how brains, how our brain Connects with a belief in God. How does that work? How do our brains connect with a belief in God? It's like spiritual neuroscience. The study of your brain and how it connects with your ability to believe in God or not to believe in God. And what's interesting is there was a book written and I love this book. It's called Switch on Your Brain. And Dr. Carolyn Leaf is quoted as saying... It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Let me say that again. Because if you're not buying into the fact that God wants to come in and renew your brain, transform your mind, make you a new creation in Christ. That no matter what has been going on in your life, no matter how bad it may seem, no matter what struggles you may be going through, listen to this again. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. That's good news, everyone. That means God can do immeasurably more than you can even begin to understand or comprehend. Once we desire to walk with him, talk with him, have a focused daily devotion with him, when we decide that we want that relationship, we want to believe in that relationship, even apart from all the skepticism, even apart from all of our doubts, our fears, our failures, if we will just walk down that path, God actually can begin to renew our minds, change, and create new things for us. And new neuropathways, good science, tells us that that is absolutely possible with the way that we live our lives. So then there's a huge question looming for us then today, right? What is worry? Because if if God can come in and renew our minds and help us, then we start off with all of our fears. And how do we get this peace from God? What are are ways in which we can do that? Well, one of the things we have to address as we close out this series today is probably the biggest elephant in the room. What is worry? And simply worry is this. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and power of God. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and power of God. You know, Christians are taught often to give our worries to God. We're taught that, like, give it over to God. Give that worry over to God. Listen to me today. You have a worry. All of us have worries. All of us have concerns. Some of us are really concerned about our health right now and staying healthy, right, with the coronavirus. Some of us are worried about losing our jobs or or we have lost our job and we're looking at how we're going to make ends meet. Some of us are worried about how our kids are going to you know, go to school and, 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 and if in this time of crisis schooling, if we're stinking it up to such an extent that they're going to be behind in school now. Some of us are worried about our elderly and, and our elderly population, our moms, dads, grandparents, and, and how they're going to make it through this situation. Some of us have macro worries where we're worried about what's going to happen to the stock market and our overall economy, relationships with China and, and the rest of the world. Some of us have a worry about elections, about all kinds of, like we have all these worries. And, and if you watch the news, they'll give you a whole host of more worries, right? Amen. Like you just have all, like this, worries everywhere. All over the place, there's worries. We're all worrying about stuff. Now, let me say this again to us. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and power of God. And Christians, honestly, like we've got to model this for everyone. We've got to model how we give over our worries. Our worries are real. Our worries are real. Like, we don't act like, oh, you you shouldn't worry. When Christians do that, when they're like, oh, you just shouldn't worry, that's not the right response. The right response is, hand your worries over to God. Because the worry is real. So first, the worry is real. It's not like, oh, you shouldn't worry. No, you should. Like you have a worry. But then once you realize you have the worry, once you realize it's there and it's real, now's the hard work of handing it over to God. But you know what Christians do all too often? We hand it over to God. We pray about it. We say, God, it's yours. You can have it, God. And then we kind of praise God. God's going to do this thing for us. And then when God doesn't do it in the way we want him to, when God doesn't answer the prayer in the way we want him to, or in the time that we want it done, we take the worry back. Say it didn't work. We take the worry back. You see, that's what we often do as Christians. And, And that's not how you solve the problem of worry. This is how you solve the problem of worry. It's not cliche in the way we handle it. But how we handle it really is important, right? We do not just hand our worry over to God and then wash our hands, praise God, pray a few prayers. And when he doesn't do it, we take it back. That's that's not the proper way, even theologically, of the way we hand over our worries. Here's the proper way. We don't treat it as a cliche. And a lot of Christian people treat it as a cliche. Follow me on this now. What we have to do is our part. Handing over our worries to God doesn't give us spiritual permission to be negligent. It means you use good science. Science and faith are not in competition with one another. I refuse to believe that. I just always believe that science is figuring out what God already knew. And so we have good science and that means there's good practices. So if it's, if it's a healthy lifestyle, you don't give over your worry to God and go, Oh, I need to, I need to be more healthier. And you don't get like, God help me to be more healthy. So I don't die of a heart attack. And meanwhile, you go out and eat a bunch of bad food. And say, oh, I gave it over to God. No, you have to do your part. You have to eat better. You have to exercise. You do your part. And the part you can't do is the part you hand over to God. You don't know the results. You don't know the end game. You don't know all of the future that lies before you. You do your part. And the part you cannot do, you hand over to God. With your education, with your career, with your finances, with your relationships, Everything you try, your absolute best. You do everything you can do. And then the parts you can't control, you hand over to God. That's a person who is being healthy about handing their worries over, no matter what it is. COVID 19 has taught us this once again. We wash our hands, we wear our masks. We stay away from elderly and people who have, you know, their immune systems compromised. We, we do all the things that we possibly can do, but then we go out, we live our lives. And the things we can't control, we hand over to God and we stop worrying about it. Honestly, that's the way I'm handling it. I wash my hands, I wear masks, I do the things I need to do. Every bit that I can do that I can control. And then beyond that, I turn it over to God and say, God, I'm not going to worry about this because I don't know if I'm promised tomorrow, so I'm going to live today for today. Worry is paralyzing so many people today. Above anything else, worry. And at the end of the day, all we can do is we do the very best we can and hand the other parts over to God. Listen to what Romans 8, what Paul writes here. He says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. You don't take your worry back and try to solve it in the flesh. You live by the spirit and you allow God's spirit to move and give you that love and peace and hope for the things you can't control. And then this same God who gave you talents and skills and resources, you go and use those for the best of your ability and you do the very best you can. And then you leave the results up to God, the things you cannot control. So today, as we close out this series, my challenge to all of us is, We can create by the power of God, new neural pathways. We can become a new creation in Christ. We can get rid of addictions in our lives and things that are holding us back. We can stop being paralyzed by fear and worry. We can actually let loose and let God do the best work of all the things we cannot do. And today, I just simply challenge you to this phrase, this mantra. If you could live by this mantra for the rest of our lives, if we could do this, we could actually begin to see new pathways created. We could see God transforming our minds. And if every day we could wake up with just even this mantra on our minds, what God might do with us in the future. And here it is. Do what I can do. That's the first phrase to live by. Do what I can do. Second, give God what I can't do. Do what I can do. Give God what I can't do. And trust God no matter what. Do what I can do. Give God what I can't do. Trust God no matter what. Will you say that with me? Do what I can do. Give God what I can't do. Trust God no matter what. Hey, my prayer for each of us that we would be able to master our mind like Paul. It's been a great series. Master our mind that we might master our lives with the power of the Holy Spirit living in us, that we can do what we can do, give God what we can't do, and trust God no matter what. Happy Mother's Day to all the mamas out there. And I pray for each and every one of us. We would allow God to transform and renew our minds in the powerful name of Christ Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, we bow before you today and we thank you for your word that has come alive in us. For the example of the apostle Paul, who through enormous difficulties, tumultuous times, through horrific situations in prison, was able to master his mind and leave behind a legacy that we could look to, where he depended solely on your spirit. And God, there are worries right now that each one of us has. And I pray, God, that we would be able to leave this message today and know that we can go do what we can do. We can hand over to you, God, what we can't do. And we can trust you no matter what for your perfect will and your perfect timing. God, help us today. Live more healthy in our minds, that our lives may be a reflection of you, Jesus. Lord, help each one of us today, right now, with some specific worry. God, you know what all those worries are. You know right through the screens of everyone watching. You know. You know what that mama's worried about, what that daddy's worried about, what every person watching this is worried about. God, I, I pray that you would feel them handing those worries over to you today. Knowing that we're going to go do what we can do about it. And we're going to trust that you're going to do what we can't do. So Lord Jesus, come by the powerful and holy name that we trust in. And Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move profoundly in our lives today. We hand over our worries and trust you. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen.